Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Tuesday, November the 29th, 2022, and I welcome you to our daily devotional at 7 a.m. Beautiful sunrise this morning here in Spotswood, but what's that saying about red sky in the morning, uh, sailor taking warning, that kind of thing? Um, but it is a beautiful beautiful time outside right now, at least. I hope that everybody is doing well and that you all had a happy Monday yesterday, that uh, your week is progressing well also. Now, let me remind you, I think that a one call went out for our church folks locally here, but if you're in the area and you would like to support our youth group, if you'd like to take part in our holiday meal, that is this coming Saturday, okay? Um, but we do ask that you pre-order your meals. If you don't pre-order your meals, then we really have no way of knowing how to prepare. But you can call the church today, pre-order your meals. You can dine in, right? We're doing a hybrid thing this year where you can dine in, or we're also going to be running the drive through where you can pick up your meals to go. But that is this coming Saturday, okay? I think I'm not even going to say what time it is because I don't exactly remember, but hopefully I'll remember to look today so I can tell you tomorrow. And we're taking orders all the way up through Friday. So be aware of that. Now, again, I welcome you Um, where we find ourselves today. We are done with John chapter 14. We're in John chapter 15. John 14 could be summed up with promises, right? And comfort. Also, very clear teaching from Jesus on who he really is and exclusive teaching, right? Teachings on his exclusivity. You can't get more exclusive than John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then, starting in verse 15, Jesus promises the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so as we come to chapter 15 today, it is as if Jesus is now focusing, pulling the focus. You know, he starts outward about those that would come to him. He starts focusing inward on the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about how he's going to ascend back into heaven. And now, starting in chapter 15, it is as if Jesus is really putting the spotlight on what it means to belong to him. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds really, really important because it is, right? Um, Life in Christ, union with Christ is the substance of Christianity. It's the basis of our hope. It is the entire hope that we have for the future. And so Jesus describes what it really looks like to belong to him. And Jesus points out some hard realities here that we need to face. So let's pray first, and then we will dig in. Let's go to our Lord now. Our Father, please be with us now as we come to another I am statement of your son as we continue along in our study, as we focus on what it means to really belong to you, to really be united with Christ. We will not understand apart from your Holy Spirit. We cannot understand apart from from him illuminating your word for us, turning the lights on so that we can see. So we pray that you would do that right now by your Holy Spirit. Guide us in this time. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so 
after Jesus leaves with the disciples, we have continued teaching in John chapter 15, where Jesus begins by saying, I am the true vine. Now, um, it's been a while since in the morning we have been in an I am statement or, or focusing on an I am statement. Remember the forcefulness of Jesus saying this, right? The uh, how loaded of a, a statement this would be because Jesus evokes the name of the eternal God by saying, I am the true vine. And this wasn't by accident. Y'all, this was something that was not thrown around, okay? Jesus knew what he was doing. He was instantly saying, I am the eternal God, okay? If you're wondering about this, Go back, reread. Sorry, my shirt tag is bothering me. Go back, <laughs> reread Exodus chapter three, right? You remember the, the instance of, of Joseph going to Egypt, the Lord using him to save them from famine, Joseph's brother and father joining him in Egypt while time progresses. The Hebrews become more and more populous, right? Eventually a Pharaoh rises that willfully forgets Joseph and what God had done through him for Egypt and decides to enslave God's people. God's people cry out. God hears them and says that he will send a deliverer. That deliverer is Moses. Do you remember this conversation between Moses and God? It's really fascinating. Moses says, I can't go. I can't speak. Well, God says, well, I'm going to send Aaron with you. He can speak for you. You know, all these different things. And then finally, Moses says to him, yeah, but, but God, and of course, I'm paraphrasing here. He says, when they ask me, who is this God that has sent you? Do you remember what God said? He said, tell them I am that I am. Tell them I am has sent you. So when Jesus uses this phrase, fast forwarding several generations, right? No longer in the Exodus. Well, when God used that, it was pre-Exodus, right? It was pre-plagues, pre-deliverance from Egypt. But fast forward to Jesus' time. When he uses this, there's no mistake in what he means by it. And what does he say? Not only is he the eternal God, he refers to himself as the true vine. Now, the fact that he refers to himself as the true vine must mean that there are others who claim to be the vine, right? And what does he even mean by vine? Realize that the vine is the source. You know, in in our local area, we have lots of vineyards, lots of wineries, that kind of thing. I know that's not the case everywhere, but it is the vine that is key, right? The vine is the root. The vine is the source. You have branches that come off of the vine, but the vine is the real life. It's the real life of the plant itself. So that's what Jesus says. And, 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 and by virtue of the fact that he's calling himself the true vine, that means there are other things claiming to be the real source of life, the real source of importance, the real source of truth, the real source of fill in the blank. And y'all know that there is. Every day there's a new cause you can attach yourself to. There's a, a new purpose for humanity. And, and sometimes it's things like fighting one another. Sometimes it's things like fighting climate change. Sometimes it's things like, well, it can be anything, y'all, because the fact is, is that none of those things are the true vine. 
And there's always a false vine that is springing up, promising to give life, promising to give purpose. But in reality, it gives nothing. You see, the vine gives life to the branches, the true vine. The false vines of the world around us, it's the branches that give life to the vine, you see, because the vine is phony. Jesus claims to be something else. He claims to be the true vine, singular, as in there's only one. And he doesn't stop there. He says, I am the true vine. This is chapter 15, verse 1. And my father is the gardener. Okay. Interesting metaphor that Jesus is using here, a vine and a gardener. What does he mean? Verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Y'all, stop right there. There's some serious implications here, right? And we need to be careful with something, though. When Jesus speaks in metaphorical language, we have to be careful how far we take this to its logical end. It's the same way with parables, right? Not every single thing in parables is regulative because Jesus is telling a story, right? And he's using the story to illustrate a point. In the same way, the metaphors that he often uses are like that. You know, this whole idea of he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, what does that mean when he says every branch in me? Is he talking about genuine believers? Those that have been saved, but those that aren't working hard enough, that aren't bearing enough fruit? Well, if you're not doing enough good things, God's going to cut you off. So you need to make sure that you shore up your salvation. No, that's not what he's talking about, y'all. I believe what he's really talking about is those that claim to be in him, those that attach themselves to our Lord through the church, through other means, and yet are not really saved. This is as good a time as any to talk about that, but you know that exists, right? You know, I, I remember growing up at, at Shannon Forest Christian School, we would have chapel speakers, and, you know, obviously it would be hit or miss. It was a chapel every single week on Wednesdays, I believe it was, and it was fascinating, the different chapel speakers. But I remember one chapel speaker that came. My goodness, the metaphor that he used, he was talking about being a Christian just because you go to church. Right. And he said, if you walk into a garage, does that make you a car? I remember I was so young, but I was thinking, yeah, yeah, that's true. And he said, if you walk into Burger King, does that make you a Whopper? <laughs> you know, and it was great. You know, when you're kids, you laugh at that kind of stuff. Or maybe he said, if you walk into McDonald's, does that make you a Big Mac? You know, but it really clicked with me even all those years ago. And I wasn't an older child either. I mean, this was young elementary school, probably second or third grade. Guys, there are all sorts of people that claim to know Christ. There are all sorts of people that sit in the pew at church and don't know him a lick. There's all sorts of people that even walk down to an aisle to just as I am, and they left that day just as they were before they got there. Right? Y'all, and what a sad thing that is. What a terrible thing that is. But the reality that Jesus points out is if you claim to be in him and yet you bear no fruit, 
if there is no evidence of your being in him. And this is not just the good deeds that you go out there and do. It's the manifestation of your life. Do you have joy? Hmm? Are you harboring bitterness? Is there sin that you refuse to resolve? That you won't apologize for? I mean, it, you know, the list goes on and on, y'all, but there are all kinds of people that claim to know Jesus that don't. And that's the first thing Jesus says here. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. But realize that nobody's safe from the gardener. Because look at what he says next. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, y'all, again, the father is the gardener. Another translation might say he is the vine dresser. That's a little bit better terminology for this, because what the vine dresser does is the branches that are not doing anything are cut off. Why? Because the branches that aren't doing anything are a drain on the vine and on the rest of the branches. All they do is soak up nutrients, soak up time, soak up everything else, and then they never produce anything. So God cuts them out. They're not really a fruitful part of the vine. But what he says about the branches that are a fruitful part of the vine, y'all, it sounds nice at first glance. Oh, okay, yeah, it's nice to be pruned. It's nice to be taken care of. Yeah, but pruning hurts. You know what pruning is. It's when you cut away the dead. It's when you cut back the auxiliary, the things that don't matter in order to strengthen the whole. Do you realize that's what the Christian life really is? And the Lord uses all sorts of things to prune us. Sometimes it's the things um, that are very clearly going on that really make sense, right? It's challenges we face. It's things that when we encounter them, we say, I know that the Lord is behind this and I know why he's doing this. And on the other side, we're going to come out stronger, right? Sometimes we know when the Lord is pruning us. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we feel like the branch out on the tree that's just there and then it gets jerked up and gets sliced and diced up. And we don't understand what's happening. We don't see the end result. But y'all, everything that happens to you in your walk with the Lord ultimately happens to prune you. It happens so that you will bear more fruit. Now, at this point, Jesus focuses in on the disciples that he's talking to. That, that's the group that he's speaking to, right? His disciples. He says in verse 3, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, there are some statements here specifically for the disciples at this time, in this place, in time and space, right? However, there is a principle that applies to you and me. Remember what Jesus is doing with his disciples. We just finished going through chapter 14 where he has given them the promise of his return, but where he, in no uncertain terms, tells them he's about to leave them. He is telling them to remain in him. And you have this business about you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus is talking about their faith in him as the Christ. Do they understand fully? No, 
They don't. Let me say something even more pointed. Do you and I understand fully? No, we don't. We have God's word that helps us. We have the Holy Spirit that indwells us. But y'all, the reality is, is that there are some features of scripture, some beauties of the gospel that are too intricate for us to understand. There are other gems of the gospel for which we must plumb the depths of scripture. You know, you don't find line, uh, diamonds just laying on the ground. You got to dig for them. That is the case with scripture as well. But Jesus says, you're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. What word is that? It's the word of his identity. It's the word of who he is. It's the calling of them to follow him and to trust in him in faith. They're clean because of this. But he reminds them to remain in him. Remain in me and I will remain in you. And he reminds them, there is no such thing as a branch that if it's cut off from the vine goes out and bears fruit. Y'all, it makes no sense whatsoever. That is the metaphor we are given. We are like the vines and the branches or we're like the branches in a vineyard, right? The shoots off of the vine in a vineyard. None of us is kudzu. Right? You know what kudzu is? Like around here where I am, there, there's none of it here. If you go across the mountain towards Lynchburg, you can start finding kudzu, but I've never even seen any in this part of the valley. And that's great because kudzu is this vine um, that uh, that was brought in really by a certain university that I shall not name. But the idea was, oh, we'll bring in this vine from China called kudzu, and it'll be great for animals to eat and humans can eat it and it'll help with erosion. Well, let's just say that pretty much none of that is the case. And kudzu grows so fast. You can grab a piece of kudzu and you can cut it and you can throw it on the ground and it will grow and it will take root. You don't even have to plant it, right? And it grows so fast. It said that if you take a vine of kudzu and wrap it around your waist for a belt at breakfast, you'll have a pair of pants by dinner time. And really and truly, y'all, it's unbelievable how quick.